Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you today. I I heard one clap out there. That was outstanding. No, no, don't, please, no, no. I'm joking. Uh, But uh, we're going to uh, start the year off by uh, going back into Acts again, which is really, if you want to know what a Christian is supposed to live like, it's in the book of Acts. Just read that. And uh, this is our third round now. We'll pick up in uh, chapter 13. And so before I begin that, we're going to talk on the daring disciple, which in my mind is just like, should be everybody. Everybody names the name of Jesus. But let's go back to that verse that I had you read every week uh, for about the last month and a half. And a couple more times, we'll finish off every little statement in there. And I just do this so you'll learn a verse. And it's a verse that encourages you to study the Word of God, which in our day and age, you really need this to study the Word of God. So let's read this all together, if you would. One, two, three. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, I just want to focus on the word adequate because it says as we study the word of God, put it into practice, apply our lives to it, it makes us adequate, which means complete or it means to be fit, like in shape. But in this case, it's in shape spiritually. So this word of God has the ability to put us into a spiritual shape so we can better operate and walk as followers of Christ. Amen to that one? Now, today we're going to pick up and we're going to talk about the daring disciple, which as I said, should be normal Christianity. Jesus one day said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He also said, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, when I hear and make statements, or I've read that many times, go and make disciples of all the nations, it conjures up some thoughts in my mind. And the first one is a question. And the question is, if he says to go make disciples, what does a disciple look like? What's a disciple act like, smell like, think like? What's a disciple? I will answer that later on today. It's a very simple answer. But as I think about what he said, go and make disciples of all the nations. When I think about nations, now that's telling me that there is action and there is movement. Are you following me? That Christianity it's not just stagnant. It's not just, I'm a Christian and that's it. No, there's movement. Go and reach all the nations. So I, I cannot be this just complacent person. But then when I think about going to all the nations, now we know, I think from experience, some of us already know that that will bring, as you reach out and talk to people about Christ, that brings about opposition. Has anyone experienced that before? Yes or no? Amen. So we know it brings about opposition in our life. But the question is, why 
is Jesus Christ so opposed? What is the big deal? Why is it that Jesus, they say, you keep Jesus to yourself, don't share him, but you know, and by the way, you could talk about Allah, Buddha, Sheba, anything else, but you keep Jesus to yourself. Has anyone ever noticed that? Now, there's a simple answer for that, and at the root of it is that Jesus is actually God in the flesh, and he's actually alive right now. Amen to that one? That's the reason why. Because he's just dangerous. That name is just a dangerous name to the demonic realm. Now, with the demonic realm and going into the world and making disciples of all nations and experiencing opposition, in Daniel chapter 10, Daniel, which is a book with a lot of prophecies about the future, and they pretty much almost all come to pass on the money, just on the money, written hundreds of years before the events ever took place. It's amazing, that book. But Daniel, in chapter 10, there's a moment there where he prays. And it's great because the curtain is pulled back and allows us to look into a realm that many people do not even realize, but there is a spiritual realm, not just a physical realm. Amen? Daniel has prayed, and his prayer is not being answered. We can relate to that, can we not? There are three weeks, 21 days go by, and there's no answer to the prayer. Some of us have waited longer. But as you look, as he pulled the curtain back, you find out in that chapter that once he started praying, that God had dispatched an angel to go answer the prayer. But the angel encounters something or someone, a being, which the title of the Prince of Persia. Huh. And there's a battle going on. Now, the angel battling him cannot leave because he's battling him. And so it's not until Michael, who's an archangel, is sent by God to go take the place of the battle and he allows this angel to go answer Daniel's prayer. Now, what we realize from that is something that we need to walk in and understand every day of our lives as a follower of Christ. And that is this. In this spiritual realm, this prince of Persia he has, it's a demonic being, he has a stronghold over an area of the world. Strongholds are real. Strongholds are all around us. How do I know? Well, think about some of your own lives. And there is something that maybe you have tried to conquer and tried to conquer and tried to get past, but you can't. It is a stronghold of the enemy. Any amens on that? Have you ever even noticed in your families that... Um, that there are certain vices or addictions or sins that keep following generation after generation. Has anyone noticed that? That's a stronghold, guys. That's a stronghold that you, as a follower of Christ, through the power of the Spirit of God, can break in your family. One of the things I broke in my family was there was not going to be alcoholism anymore in this Del Campo line right here. Any amens on that one? So I broke the chain. I broke the chain on that one because I'm not going to let the stronghold exist. There can be strongholds everywhere. It could be at your job. It can be within your marriage. There can be strongholds. And I'm not talking about possession. It's just a stronghold. It's, it's a grip that's there and it needs to be broken. So there's a real spiritual dimension and a real battle that's going on. Now I want you to think about this. That means that as we go and become this daring disciple to go reach people for Jesus Christ, 
now we are encountering opposition what does that look like biblically well um, Jesus talked about the kingdom of God the kingdom of God is in your midst the kingdom of God is upon you did you know in the gospels Jesus talked more about the kingdom of God than he ever talked or used the word church did you know that church is a great word but it's a misused word or misunderstood word among even Christians because we think it's a building with plaster I'm going to go to church no 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 you're going to a building you are the church the word church is the idea of a group of people coming together for a common purpose to push back the gates of hell any amens on that I can't do that if I'm by myself isolating myself I've got to come together in a body of believers that's a very important principle for the follower of Christ to follow but God has a kingdom of God that you and I are part of as followers and we're advancing it the enemy the devil he doesn't have a kingdom it's called the domain of darkness see he's not a king the devil's not a king this tells us that God and Satan are not equal opposites at all God is God non-created the devil was Lucifer an angel fallen angel a created being he only has a domain he's the prince of the power of the air but our God is the king of the universe amen to that one so there's a kingdom of God so never think like oh the devil's got the power shut up okay the devil doesn't have all the power God has all the power right and so as a daring disciple we walk in that kind of power and if you don't understand what that power is you'll understand a little bit of it today as I go along so here's what I'm going to do today and you guys know how I preach and put things together what I'm going to do today is we're going to go through Acts 13 12 verses I'll do commentary on it to give you understanding of the narrative of what's going on then I'm going to define discipleship for you because that's going to be our little encapsulated nutshell of what our points three points will be today and then I'll tell you what your weaponry is and then I'm going to tell you why being a daring disciple is so important in life for every follower of Christ to do this and to live this otherwise we are just an impotent church of people that are doing nothing but gathering together singing some songs and going home we're called to leave here and be daring disciples amen that's what we're called to do am I trying to pump you up yeah at least for a few hours yeah amen so here we go Acts chapter 13 <clears throat> and we're going to um, read 12 verses and I'll do commentary as I go now there were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers Barnabas and Simeon who was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Menaean who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul <clears throat> now what you find here is the church which was headquartered in Jerusalem has now moved headquarters and now it's in Antioch which is in Syria kind of on the border of Syria and Turkey so it's moved in that church now you find two classifications of leadership gifts and there are more but you find preachers and you find teachers did you see that say amen if you did the preacher proclaims the word of God strongly the teacher comes along and grounds people in the foundations of the word of God you need them both you got to have both types in any church for people to grow and become follow, true, strong followers of Christ now verse 2 and 3 while they were ministering to the Lord say to louder to to the Lord and fasting the Holy Spirit said set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them then when they had fasted and prayed 
and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Now notice in there it says, you can minister not just for the Lord, but you can minister, say louder, to the Lord. That's right. We don't just serve God and work for Him. We minister to Him. We spend time with Him. We pray. We worship. That ministers unto God. Amen to that one? Now, as we spend time with Christ, there's something dangerous that happens. It says that while, say while, big word, we'll see it later again, but while they're doing this, the Holy Spirit speaks to Paul and Barnabas and the, and the leader. It says, you need to go out. This is going to be the first missionary journey. This is the first time the gospel is going to go out to the Mediterranean and they're going to plant all kinds of churches and church planting is a great way to reach new people for Jesus. Amen to that one right there. Now here's the danger and it is the danger. Once you start ministering to Jesus, spend time with them, read your word of God, be taught the word of God, begin to worship God, begin to, God, the spirit of God is going to tell you, he's going to give you marching orders. And that's dangerous, is it not? Because now he's going to give you something to do. Something's calling you to do. And it says the spirit of God spoke to them. Now the spirit of God, when I say the spirit of God spoke to me, here's what I mean. It doesn't mean that I heard a voice. I have never heard an audible voice of God. I'm not. If you see me walk around talking to myself, it's just me talking to myself, okay? And that's all it is. What I mean by that is the Spirit of God lives in the believer, does he not? And since therefore he lives in us, our mind therefore is Holy Spirit user friendly. The Spirit of God will drop thoughts in my mind as he will drop thoughts in your mind as you are with him, correct? And once you're with them like that, he's going to start to tell you certain things that you are to do. It's not just to gather information. It's to go out and be a giver of life to other people. Amen to that one, right? Now, <clears throat> so they're sent out. And many people are sent out to do different things or ministries here. You're sent out. Now, verse 4. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Cilicia. And from there, they sailed to Cyprus. Now, they're sent out. They've been with him. They're sent out. And now they're sent to this island called Cyprus. And that is Barnabas. This is his hometown right there. His home island is an island in the Mediterranean. They land in, in a place called, verse 5, when they reach Salamis. So they land in Salamis. And they begin to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John as their helper. Now John is John Mark, who writes the gospel of Mark. This guy is going to... Well, he's going to make Paul really angry pretty soon. But we're not going to talk about that today. But there becomes a schism in this first missionary journey. Now, verse 6. When they had gone to the whole island as far as Paphos. Now, look up at me. Here's the island. Here is Cyprus in the Mediterranean. Looking at it this way, if you're looking at a map at me, they land, uh, they land right here and they're traveling across from Salamis, across straight through the island to get to Paphos. And as they walk through the island to get to the other side, they are stopping at every synagogue they find. Question, what are they doing? Why are they stopping at every synagogue? What's their mission? Preach the gospel, right? And that's what they're doing. This is the goal of church people. This is what we should be doing, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, let's read verse 6, the second half. Along the way, they found a magician. This is not David Copperfield, guys. 
a Jewish false prophet whose name was, say it, Bar-Jesus. Bar now, does the word bar, it means son of. You ever heard the term bar mitzvah? Bar mitzvah simply means son of the commandment. That you're going to be, now go obey the commands. You're a son of the commandment. Now, this is Bar-Jesus. He's given himself that name. He says, I am the son of Jesus. Now, that's kind of audacious, isn't it? To do something like that. But we know this man is on the demonic side of things. So now we find that as they go out and share the gospel, now they run head on into the demonic. Is the demonic all around us? Say yeah. Are angels good ones all around us? Yeah. Is the Holy Spirit all around us and in us? Yeah, there's a real spiritual dimension out there and there's a war going on that you and I better open our eyes to as followers of Christ. If we don't, we'll go back into being lackadaisical, doing nothing. We won't even go to church anymore. We'll start the year off good. We won't get involved in nothing because we think the natural world is all there is when there's a real spiritual world and the whole goal is they want the spiritual world, the evil side, wants to take everybody to hell and our side, the good side, God's side, wants wants to reach people for Jesus. Amen? Amen? Good, good. You're on page. Okay, good. Now, <clears throat> verse 7, or verse, am I verse 7 or 6? I don't even know where I'm at anymore. Okay. Verse, what's, what verse? Seven. I knew. Calm down on this side. Right seven! You know. I'm just, <laughs> now, verse, <laughs> who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, this man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. So this Roman leader on the island there wants to hear what Paul has to say about Jesus Christ. Verse 8. But Elimus, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them. Oh, he's opposing them. That's interesting. Uh, and seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Every time. Every time. Every time you decide, I'm going to become a daring disciple. I'm going to start sharing this faith. I'm going to stand up for what's true. Expect opposition. Know that it's coming. Don't run from it. Don't be afraid of it. Because greater is he that is with you than he that is in the world. Every time you make a step a commitment toward Jesus Christ, I'm going to start going to a Bible study. I'm going to join a small group. I'm going to minister here in church. I'm going to start helping out. I'm going to start going to church. Every time you do that, there will be a lie that comes in your head, a noble-sounding lie, why you shouldn't do that. There will be opposition. It is going to happen. And you thought that thought came from your thinking. No, it didn't. It came from a spiritual realm that does not want you to make a step toward the kingdom of God. So now we find there is opposition. Now here's my question. If Paul is sharing the gospel, then what kind of opposition would this bar Jesus give? Well, he's a false prophet, right? Right? So false prophets give false what? False teaching. So you have false prophet giving false teaching. Now think, what kind of giftings in these leaders were sent out from the church in Antioch? What giftings were they specifically? 
preaching and teaching. So here you have God sent out preachers and teachers, and now they're walking head on into the mnemonic, a false prophet, meaning false teacher. And so you here you see light versus dark. The big battle is on now. Here we go. <clears throat> Verse 9. But Paul, who was also known as, I'm sorry, but Saul, who was also known as Paul, Saul, Hebrew name, Paul, uh, Roman name, he's got Roman citizenship, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him, and said, you are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the, yikes, that's not very nice, is it, right? You enemy of all righteousness, you will not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord. Okay. This guy's attempting to turn people away from the gospel. Now hear my heart. Because there's something in that transaction there that we need to stand up and take notice to. Question. What did the magician earlier identify himself as? Son of what? Jesus. Son of Jesus. What does Paul correct him on and call him? Son of the devil. Son of the, devil. the man identified as a son of Jesus. I'm the son of Jesus. Paul says, no, you're not. You're the son of the? That's what you really are. You identify as that, but you're not that. You are this. He who has ears, let him hear. We need to be people who speak the truth, guys. In this world that doesn't want the truth anymore. And you cannot be afraid. Because if I don't share the truth with somebody and I let them walk around thinking this or that, I have not done what I'm supposed to do. And I will get pushback, and I have. And I will get even Christians get angry at me, and I have. But I will stand up for the truth. Paul tells them the truth. Now the question that I have to ask myself is this. When I read that, because I don't want to just develop a church of a bunch of mean Christian cusses out there. You know what I mean? Because we could easily be that. I'm just going to tell the truth. That's not what I'm talking about. The question is, because the New Testament says, I'm to speak the truth in what? That's quite, does, is there any love here? That's the big question. Paul's telling them the truth. But is he loving? Well, let's see. Verse 11. Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and not see the sun for a time. How <laughs> nice. And immediately a mist and a darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when, they saw, when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. Now... Paul blinds the man under the power of the Spirit of God. Here's my question. He told him the truth, but did he show him any love? Question. 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 What was one of the things that God used to bring Paul to faith in Jesus Christ? He was blinded. He was blinded for three days. And so therefore, I can go back in Paul's life a few chapters earlier and I can say, Paul understands what's most important for this man is to come to faith in Jesus, correct? Get out of the lies he believes 
and now walk in the truth of Jesus Christ. So when he blinds him to the power of God, that's the love part. In Paul's mind, that's what brought me to Christ. And if I love this guy, if I care about this guy, not only am I going to tell him the truth, I'm going to do a loving thing. And I'm going to show him the power of God, which will bring the man to faith in Jesus, hopefully, and that will set the man completely free. Does that make sense? I think it makes perfect sense. Now, with that said, I told you earlier, I asked the question, what is a disciple? What does that look like? Because we're going to talk about that today. And I'm going to give you what I, when anybody asks me, what is a disciple? What does that look like? I'm going to give you the simple Jim DeCampo verses that take you that direction. And they are found in Mark chapter 3, 14, 15. These things I'm going to pull out of here are going to be the little nut, nutshell of which the rest of the message, the points, everything will revolve around this, okay? Now watch this. And he, who is he? It's Jesus. See that capital letter right there? That's Jesus. And he appointed 12 so that they would be with him and that he could send them out to preach and to, and to have authority to cast out the demons now there are three things in there that we're going to look at today this is a disciple you're with him you spend time with Jesus you're doing that right now you pray you study that word of God you worship you serve you're spending time with Jesus Christ you're with him and then once you're with him it says then he sent them out then you get your marching orders you have to do something. That's a disciple. A disciple is not on the shelf. You're not the elf on the shelf, okay? Christmas is over, guys, okay? You get off the shelf, and now you're sent out to do something, to minister somewhere, do something. And outside the walls, be the daring disciple. So you're with him, then you're sent out. And as you're sent out, you find in those verses, now you encounter the demonic, now you're going to get pushback. You may not recognize it all the time, but look for the pushback. Because when the pushback happens, know that you are encountering the demonic in that realm, in that moment of time, I should say. Now, those three things right there, let me break them down for you. The first two points will be quick, but the third one we'll expand on because that's going to tell us our weapons of warfare as a daring disciple. So here we go. Here's the three things this morning, and they are just what I said just previously. A disciple is louder. A disciple is what? Is with him. Now, let's look at verse 2 of Acts. It says this, Acts 13. While, say while. while. Come on, all of you. You can help me out here. While. while. Thank you. They were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me uh, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So while they are actively ministering to God with Jesus Christ, spending time with him, while they are doing that, all of a sudden, with this deliberate time with God, he's going to tell them, he's going he's to, let me back up. Here's a better way to put it. <clears throat> I heard somebody say this, and um, I, it made sense to me. You know that you and I are the average of everyone we hang out with. You and I are the average of everyone we hang out with. If we just hang out with a uh, you know, lukewarm Christian, then we're going to be that way probably. 
But if we hang out with high-octane Christians, we're probably going to be there. It just rubs off. Any amens on that? It just rubs off on you. Now, when you're hanging out in a high-octane environment of people, Christians, and spending that, spending time with Jesus, then all of a sudden while doing that, then point two comes into play. Watch what happens next. A disciple is sent out by him. Now when you're with them, then you're now what? What comes next? Say it loud. You're sent out. That's right. So they're sent out while they are with him. Now there's movement, there's action. Look at verse two and three again. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they're with them, and then they're what? And then they're what? They're sent down. They begin, there's now movement. There's now action. Now there's participation. So, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I know a lot of you know this already, and I'm sure like you, or my wife and I, I'm sure like you, uh, you, you've been praying. And my wife and I pray for a lot of, people that are struggling with sickness or disease and we keep you know those lists we pray every night together for but this last week uh, when that happened to the football player Damar Hamlin you guys know that right okay we're not I'm not a big football fan anymore I don't know why I've lost interest in pro football I like college stuff I love all college sports but um, when it happened it was like oh my gosh no because my thought was not only is this young man in, in trouble, but I thought about his mama. That was my first thought. Because you know, as a parent, as, what's his mama and dad feeling? What's going on in the family? So Olivia and I, we, we've been praying for him every night. And then you're watching different things as you're seeing different things. And people in this whole sports world and newscasters, Every, the, the, the story and everything is the same uh, we're, we're praying for him send your prayers out to him send this I turned to Olivia and I said who are they praying to who are they even praying to is this just cliches or what is it and then that moment came some of you know it probably some of you don't that announcer on ESPN Dan Orlovsky yeah how many of you actually know what I'm talking about right now? Raise your hand so I know. Okay, the rest of you don't. Okay, good, good. There's an ESPN show. I didn't see it live. I had to go back when, when I heard about it. I had to go back and watch it. He was a, an ex-quarterback in the NFL on ESPN Live. ESPN Live. And he's sitting there talking. And he says, there's a lot of talk about prayer and send prayers and pray for me and pray for this and send prayers there. And, and it's like, yeah, everybody's saying that. And he said this, he goes, and I found out later, the guy's like a solid Christian. He says, and this is live TV, ESPN, he says, but here's what I really think I need to do right now. Since everybody's saying it, then we need to do it. I need to pray for him right now. And the guy on the panel goes, do it. And Dan Orlowski begins to pray right on ESPN, live, national TV. And I'm like, 
You know that took guts, right? But this guy's got the spirit of God in him. And he moved from, I'm not just going to be, look, the only reason he could do that is he spends time with Jesus. And so now he's in a position sent out, I'm going to pray on national TV. I could get a lot of pushback on this, but it's the right thing to do. Amen? In his moment, that was a sent out moment right there. A daring disciple right before your eyes. I was like, oh my goodness. That's awesome. Now, think about this, sent out. Um, Paul and Barnabas land in Salamis on the island of Cyprus, Barnabas' home island. They travel across the island to Paphos. Now, what you don't know about this island in Salamis and Paphos is they worship the goddess Venus slash Aphrodite. She's the goddess of sexual lust. Also, what you may not know is they have a temple to Venus slash Aphrodite in Paphos and every, every once, once in their lifetime, I don't remember how long for, every woman, every woman had to go and serve as a temple prostitute to the goddess Venus in that place. Every woman. Can you imagine the perversion and disease in that place and God says to Barnabas and to Paul I want you to go to that place I want you to go into the gates of hell I want you to go there and talk to him about me and we sit here and say Lord give me a job with just Christians Lord, I want to move to a place where we could call it Christianville. (laughs) I don't get it. What, what, What page is that on? No. He sent them right into the gates of hell because Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against church folk. Amen? And we're to bring the gospel. That's a daring disciple. We don't run. We drive our vehicle right into it because greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. I give it to you. The devil's under your feet. Know who you are. Now, before I keep going there, I got to move on because I'm running out of time. Now, number three. Here's a third thing. The, the, The disciple encounters and battles the demonic. So you're with him. You're sent out. And as you're sent out, you opposition, you battle the demonic. Okay? <clears throat> now, this is where it's risky for me in second service because you don't always know your... So first service, a lot of them are my age, they know all the movies I grew up with. <laughs> okay, so, so let me read verse 8 and, and I'll tell you what I'm going to say right now. But Elimus, the magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. So now opposition. And so the question is, for me, I would ask, if I'm you asking me, what weapons do I have to fight the demonic? Okay, movie time. Anybody ever in the 80s watch Crocodile Dundee? Raise your hand. I got to know who's saved. Okay, do you remember that moment in the movie when the guy pulls the knife out on Crocodile Dundee? Remember anybody? How many remember that? And what does he tell that guy? He said, I'm not a knife. This is a knife. 
and he pulls out this big old knife and the guy takes off running, right? I'm here to tell you, let me show you what, what your knife is all about, okay? Because you have a big knife to fight a spiritual one, to fight off a spiritual enemy. So the daring disciple, here's your weapons, if you so choose these things, and we find them in the text. They're right there. The first one is our faith. Our faith. Look at verse 8 again. But Elimus, a magician, for so his name is translated, was opposing him, seeking to turn the pro council away from the louder, the faith. faith. That's right. So now we have the faith. Oh, okay. You know what your faith is? What you believe. What you're grounded in. I think and I'm pretty sure this is true I'm getting older and I think I'm getting cranky I know you're shocked right I, I yell at the TV more than ever anybody do that I just I'm, I'm like yelling at it and sometimes Olivia she quit saying it she just said they don't hear you they are going to hear me okay but, but I get cranky about certain things. Let me tell you what really, I just, Christians make me cranky. Let me tell you specifically what I'm talking about. When I talk to Christians on certain moral issues, you can call them political, you can call them whatever you want, they're moral issues, and they tell me, well, I feel and I think. What? You feel and think? That's what you feel and what you think? You might as well be Eve. You're a God now. It's what you feel and what you think. That's what's right. No. We go by what God says. Amen? Christians drive me nuts. You, what you feel and what you think. It, what you and I feel and think, if it goes against God's word, irrelevant. You should have said a big amen to that, but you didn't. Okay, let me get into this. Our faith, our faith. Okay, look at Ephesians 6.16. It says, this is Paul speaking later on in this, the armor of God, spiritual armor. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith. There's a shield of faith. With which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Ah, okay. So now we have a shield of faith, okay? What we believe, this word of God, that's our shield. Now, we know that in Israel... How many have ever heard of the Iron Dome? Okay. The Iron Dome in Israel, because Israel gets attacked a lot. They just, oh, it's always going to be that way. We know prophetically in Ezekiel, there's going to be a major war still that's going to happen in that part of the world. It's coming. It's going to happen. It's, it's prophesied. And it's very, it's very distinctive, spoken of what's in Ezekiel there. What nations, who's coming at them, and names them all. It's incredible what it says about what's coming. Now, they had this Iron Dome, and we've seen over the years, they installed the Iron Dome, I think in 2011 or something. Now, the Iron Dome, when missiles are shot at Israel, first off, it, 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 it catches it on radar. Something's coming. Then it determines where it's going to hit. Will it hit civilian areas or city? Will it do that? Once it does those two things, then it now intercepts and shoots that missile down, right? That's the Iron Dome, right? It's like a big shield, Listen, <clears throat> mom, dad, listen, mom, dad, oh gosh, listen, 
you have one chance. Grandma, granddad, oh gosh, you have one chance. You're the shield. You are the agents of shield. You're the real agents of shield. You're the first line of defense. And you better be grounded in that word. You better have that strong faith to know what it says, not what you feel and think, because they're going to try to get your kid from every angle. They're already trying to teach your kids at starting at kindergarten certain ways, and you know that already, right? You're the first line of defense. And you've got to be that daring disciple now. You've got to stand up. You've got to do the right thing. You've got to be grounded in this word of God. Now, the, th- the next thing, let me move on. Now. The next thing is this. The second weapon that we find here is the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Now look at verse 9 and verse 10. I'm going to ask a question after I read these two verses. Read them with me. Pay attention. The skirmish is on. The opposition's pushing back. They encounter the demonic. Verse 9. But Saul, who is also known as Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, You are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all unrighteousness, of all righteousness. Will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the of the Lord? Okay. <clears throat> okay. Question. Did you notice that the magician, the demonic, and Paul, they're both filled with something? Anybody notice that? Raise your hand if you notice that. Because I told you to read it with me. What is the magician filled with? Deceit. What is Paul filled with? Holy Spirit. You think Luke said, well, that would sound really cool if I write it that way. Or did he write that because this is a fact and this entire book of Acts is all about being empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out there and push back against the demonic. Any amens? I've, I, this whole thing about being filled with the Spirit, I've taught you before, I'll teach you again as we go along, but think about it. The entire book of Acts is about being filled with the Spirit. It's the empowering it's not just being saved. Now you ask, fill me with the power, the baptism in power. Not water, but spirit baptism. Empower me. Anyone can ask for it. And then just begin to release and I, and your, your prayer tongue because you'll receive it at that moment. And what are tongues for? Gives the ability for, for praise and worship, for adoration, in, in, in intercession, beyond your understanding, beyond your ability to articulate. It just gives you that ability. Amen? And as you pray in that, does Satan understand what you're saying? No, he doesn't. Does he want to understand? Oh, yeah. That's why he doesn't want you praying in tongues. And since you're praying in tongues and it's a heavenly language, it's a perfect prayer language. Any amens? And when you pray in tongues, it builds you up spiritually. Anybody want to be built up spiritually? I do. That's why I pray in tongues every day. And this is for everyone. Listen, listen, listen. The baptism in the Spirit of God, it gives us boldness. Every morning, every morning I say, Jesus, baptize me in power again. And I ask Jesus, because it says in Scripture, He's the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. Every morning. 
And every day I, I, I pray in tongues. It's for everyone. So, well, I, I don't quite believe that. What, 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 how do you, it's here. These guys are operating this way. Guys, li listen, listen. You want boldness? Anybody want boldness? No, come on. Do you want boldness? Don't just tell me, yeah, if you don't want it. Uh, yeah, so I can go get lunch now. Any Rocky fans? You know, it was me, Rocky, Rocky, you know. Remember Rocky Three? You ever remember Rocky Three? Remember? Clubber Lang? Clubber Lang has the best lines in all the Rocky movies. Whoever wrote those lines is so great. I pity the poor fool. You remember that guy? I reject the challenge because Baboa is no challenge. I'll be, but I'll be glad to beat on him some more. It's just got, I love his lines, man. It's great. But you remember when Rocky retires and they unveil the statue? Anyone remember that? Raise your hand if you remember, please. Rocky fans. And then what does Clubber yell out at that moment? He says, don't give him statues, give him guts. And I thought, ooh, what a great line. That's what we need. That's what Christians need in America, guts. Boldness. And you can have it through the power of the Spirit of God. See, we're operating in power failures right now. Anyone ever get that governor on your AC unit? Ever have that on your AC unit? Raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about? They put that governor on the... I'm the only... Two of us? Three? How many? Can I hear four? Okay, so don't be afraid. I'm going, yeah, I get that. What it does is, when there's too much electricity usage in Southern California, whatever, what does it do? It turns the thing off. That's why I said, get that thing off there. I don't care. I don't want to save money anymore. I get it off there, get it off. See, too many of us have the governor on the Holy Spirit. We're not allowing the power of God to flow through. We have the weapons. Take the governor off. It's your faith. It's a baptism in power. It's all these things. But it doesn't end there. There's a third thing, and that is this, you know, the teaching of the word. Oh, the teaching of the word. Look at verse 12. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the what? The teaching of the Lord. Ah, now we find you have this teaching of God's word. The enemy will always try to keep you away from the teaching of God's word. It's guaranteed. He'll always try to question, say, like the, the serpent told Eve, he goes, has God really said? <laughs> right? Right? Now, now think about this. Earlier I said shield, right? The shield of faith knocks down the flaming missiles of the enemy. All those lies coming at. You're the first line of defense. But also, if you went back to Ephesians 6, we also have the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Ah. So I have the shield of faith knocking everything down. I'm the first line of defense. I'm daddy in the family. I think I'm going to have Olivia call me that now. Daddy in the family. <laughs> It just sounded good when I said it. I almost felt really more macho and stuff like that. But I'm the daddy in the family. I got the shield up. No, this is what we believe right here. And I got the sword of the spirit. Word of God. Right? Right? I got them both right there. Now, so I got all these weapons. That's what the daring disciple uses. But here's, here's the question. Here's the question. Um, why does it even matter? Why does this matter? Okay, let's go back in the story because there's something 
There's someone in the story, in the narrative. It matters because the question is, when, how, why did the skirmish, did the opposition begin? Why? Why? Because Paul was sharing the gospel with a person, Sergius Paulus. Remember that? Don't forget Sergius Paulus. Paul was sharing with him. And the enemy goes, oh no, uh-uh. No, we're not going to let the truth go to that guy. We're going to let him continue to identify as the son of Jesus, which he's not. You see, the whole point is this. The whole point why this matters, why we need to be daring disciples, is because Sergius Paulus mattered to God. Did he not? Everybody matters to God. Everybody matters to God. Everybody needs Jesus. Why do you think when Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son, he gives the story three times, it's a lost son, lost sheep, lost coin. Why? Because what is lost really matters to God. Hey, why did some of you fill up those Operation Christmas Child boxes to send overseas? Why? Because every child that gets one in a third world country is going to hear the gospel preached to them. Because everybody matters to God. Why did some of you pick up those cards up there for the foster kids to give to them? Because we can use those to minister Jesus Christ to kids in the foster program. Amen? Because everybody matters to God. Why do I ask you at the end of every month when we give away the, the food out there, say, take some to somebody who needs it and just please share Jesus with them. Why? Because everybody matters to God. Why do some of you teach in that kids department back here? Why? Because you know that every one of those kids matters to God and some of them are coming from broken homes. Because every kid matters to God. That's the point. Everybody at your job, everybody around you, they matter to God. And the moment we forget that, we don't need to be daring. We don't do anything. I can just be a casual Christian. I just go through life. I'm getting to heaven. I punched my card. No. Everybody matters to God. And they need to matter to us. Jesus crosses a whole sea of Galilee in a storm. The disciples are about to, they're screaming, we're going to die. And Jesus says to the storm, basically in the Greek, he says, shut up. Because it's a demonic entity trying to stop him. What was it trying to stop him from doing? Getting to the other side. Because on the other side, there's a man there, demon-possessed, filled with a legion of demons. Jesus gets off the boat, long story short, casts the demons out of the guy. What does Jesus do after that? Tells the guy, stay here, go show everybody what God's done for you. But Jesus gets back in the boat with the disciples. Then he crosses the, the Sea of Galilee and goes right back. He did all that for one guy. Hours and hours and hours and hours and hours, storm, everything, for one guy, one guy. Because everybody matters to God. And they should matter to us. And they should matter to us. Can we be daring disciples? Can we just be daring disciples? And take on the weaponry of what God has given us. Amen. Let's pray. <clears throat> Jesus, we're grateful, but you have called us to so much more. We can't just be coming to church today because it's a new year and we're going to come for a little bit and see you later. This is a relationship. Here's the thing. 
Jesus did all this because you matter to him. And you may not be a follower of Christ right now, but maybe you're, you're going to be in the next few seconds. It's time to place your faith in the one who thoroughly believes in you, who died for you, allowed his blood to be spilled so you could be forgiven of your sins and escape hell. Or maybe you backslid, you walked away. Come on, it's time, friend, to be a daring disciple. Not just a Christian, but a daring disciple. So if you'd like to put your faith in Christ, because you've never done that before, and now it's time. Or it's time to come back to Christ. You walked away. And right now, I want you to do this one thing. If you're in either one of those two positions, I want you to open up your eyes right now. Look at me. I'm going to look back at you. When our eyes meet, you can close them. I'm going to look around the room. Now, I'm going to say this prayer. And I want you who looked up at me to, to you, repeat it after me out loud. You must confess with your mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. That's what true faith looks like. Everyone here is going to repeat it with you. So you're not alone. But you just got to believe it. That the God man came for you. And what he did really happened. So repeat after me, everyone now, and those who looked up at me. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me beyond imagination, for dying for me and shedding your blood to forgive me forgive me of my sins thank you I give my life to you I surrender today I follow you for the rest of my life thank you for saving me now let me pray God I just pray for everyone who looked up pray you walk with Jesus friend not just today that doesn't mean anything the evidence now is what you're going to do after this and I pray you begin your road of being a daring disciple like they were in the book of Acts that's what normal Christianity is and so God we're so grateful for what you've done in this room how you've touched our hearts thank you God in Jesus name we pray and we all say, Amen. Amen. Stand up with me, everybody. So, here we go. Repeat after me. Lord, keep me outward focused. Lord, keep me outward focused. Fill me with your spirit. Me with your spirit. Give, me Give me the boldness to share the gospel with others. Gospel with Open, up Open up opportunities to minister outside the church, outside the church. because I see what I'm looking for and make me into a generous person like you. Hey, God bless you guys. We will see you when we see you. Have a great, great, great day. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco. 
or email us at hello at nbcc.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.